having more fat when you get really old helps as an energy reserve. So when you're in a hospital and you're in a hospital for two weeks and you fall and you've broken your hip, having that energy as a store is more healthy for you. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out Mopad. how to do life. Mopad. But it turns out Mopad. nobody knows. Mopad. Now, as you may know, I have not had a lot of people on this podcast that I disagree with. This is a very rare episode because I have invited onto the podcast a person who is a controversial person, someone with a very specific opinion that I can in no way endorse or get behind, uh, support or in any way see any kind of logic or reasoning behind. Uh, we disagree uh, so uh, wholeheartedly on this opinion and um, yeah I'm, I'm just gonna be honest it, it's tricky it's tricky for me to uh, introduce you to this person who is and, and I feel slightly sick saying it a heckler yeah Dr. Joshua Walrich might be an excellent doctor an excellent uh, anti-weight stigma activist uh a very uh, a great person to follow on social media. He might be really good at campaigning against really harmful adverts, uh, against, you know, he might be doing a lot of important work, but he is also someone who goes to comedy shows and heckles. I thought it would be interesting to sit down with someone with this god-awful tendency and have a human chat, you know, see if we can connect on, on other things than this. I don't even think it's in this episode that... Um, he reveals himself to be a heckler. I don't remember in which bit. It might be in the extra bit, which is on the on the Patreon. But um, when I found out, it was it was heartbreaking. It was uh, oh god, it was heartbreaking. Oh, but everything else he has to say is pretty good. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but oh my god, a heckler! Never heckle. Never speak. Never speak in comedy gigs. Never. It's art. It's it's meant to be. People are prepared. There's shit. People know exactly. Comedy is not just. It's not just jokes. Like, what is a joke? A joke is not just the words. It's rhythm. It's delivery. It's timing. It's and you can build up to a specific joke for minutes, and the audience won't even notice it unless uh, you know they know about this specifically. It'll be like doom. It like the whole sound is like doom, 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 and then if you reach the end of that, and someone goes bra bra then the whole thing falls apart. And then the next m minute, maybe the next two minutes will be flat because you can never get back to that rhythm. So to have some kind of, and I'm sorry, Joshua, cunt, <laughs> in the front row being like, I want attention. No, don't do it. It is absolutely not okay. I have very few hecklers in my audiences, um, uh, which is lucky. And then I know, and I know Joshua, I don't know if he's going to be listening to this, he's probably got better things to do, such as like saving lives or ruining comedy shows, but he'll say, he'll probably say like, oh, but it makes a comedian better. No, it doesn't. Yeah, we need to, it's like, oh, what if I get, go to your hospital, Joshua, and then I um, trip you? 
Oh, but a real good doctor would be able to fix his own face when he face plans at the floor. Yeah, but it also uh, endangers all the other patients and it uh, ruins your day and your timing. And it would be a lot better if I didn't trip you in the hospital. Like, haha, a really good doctor could uh, do a surgery in the dark. Yeah, but it would be better, wouldn't it, if I didn't turn off all the lights in the operating room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really riled me up. <laughs> I, like, that upset me way more than when, uh, when I disagreed with Richard Osman in that episode. <laughs> oh, by the way, I did um, celebrity... What's it called? Pointless celebrities. I don't know if it will be broadcast. I could, I've never lost a competition so quickly. I was out there in like 30 seconds. But then I met Richard again, and part of me was like, remember when we disagreed on my podcast? But I didn't say it out loud, obviously, because, you know, I want to do television. So I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, I will let you listen to um, this episode which, uh, in which I speak to Dr. Joshua Walrich. <sighs> I booked him before I knew. I booked him before I knew that he was a heckler. God, I had a heckler at the Soho Theater. Soho Theater. The tickets were like something stupid like 14 pounds and it was my baby show my little baby wonderful show and then some prick was just talking uh and i got aggressive because i hate it so much i get really not anxious i just get like angry and i feel like it's i feel like it's so selfish to be the only person talk like you paid the same amount as everyone else you're sitting with everyone else who are there so, like, it's like a pact you've made a pact that none of us speak for the next hour because someone else is speaking why are you the one speaking why is it you even if Joshua even <laughs> Joshua even if what you said even if you heckling would make the comedian better who's to say that your heckle would be the best one why not shut up and leave it to some of the other audience members maybe they have a better heckle than you why do you have the best heckle <laughs> never heckle it's fine. It's, I'm fine. I like Joshua. <laughs> a bit less than I did before he said this, but I can't believe how long I've been talking about this. It just really rides me up. This has been my essay about heckling. P.S. I'm on tour. Uh, go to my website, subhing.com slash tour. I'll be there. Just, well, now you know. Just be very quiet throughout. <laughs> um, I'm also doing some work in progress shows in London to prepare for my next show. With uh, I'm doing that with Mark Watson. All those tickets are also on my website, not on his, because uh, I don't know. I'm not also going to complain about uh, Mark Watson's tech abilities. So let's just keep this one on hecklers, because they're not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> now, I hope you enjoy, despite knowing this very uh, heartbreaking thing about Joshua Walrich, I hope that um, you will enjoy uh, this episode <laughs> with the incredible <laughs> Dr. Joshua Walrich. For people who might not know who you are, how would you introduce yourself? What are your... Who are you? Who am I? I tend to stick to, to Joshua because Walrich tends to be quite hard people to say. Is it Walrich? Yeah, but that's so you what said, I say. I know you said it right. Wow. I feel like that, that might be the, the, the Dutchness of you that might do it. Yeah. Sure, apparently the, it's meant to be yeah. like kind of Nordic or something. So or the, maybe. Yeah, or the 
you know, the yeah. Danishness maybe as well. <laughs> Is that what I meant? Shit, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Somewhere outside of the UK. Us English people aren't very good at geography. Oh, the others, the others. Yeah. Was it a colony? I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? Is that part of the end? Okay. Um, yeah, so I am uh, not racist. Um, my name is Joshua Walrich. I'm a, a doctor, uh, more specifically uh, about to be an orthopedic trainee. So I work in orthopedics at the moment, about to be officially doing that. Um, and I am also what you would call an influencer, which nobody likes that word. Yeah, I was about, what's your relation to it? I've had quite a lot of I'm, people that tell you today who've been I don't mind bit, it now. Yeah? I'm happy to influence. That's fine. I didn't like it at the beginning because it came with a whole bunch of connotations, like, you know, it just made you think of someone that was young and on the internet and didn't really have a real job was the, was the classic assumption of what an influencer was. But actually, if people are going to be influenced by people online, then I'd rather be uh, taking part in that than allowing the rubbish that's on there as well. So I don't mind that as a term anymore. So how did all of that start? Uh, The real reason or the much better reason? The real reason. The real real reason is I started on a weight loss journey and started posting pictures of food on Instagram. Come on, 90% of Instagram profiles are people posting pictures of food to lose weight. That's just what Instagram is. It is a weight loss social media app, essentially, Um, or at least the majority of it is. So, yeah, I started doing that, um, and I slowly got enveloped into the world of other things. And uh, my profile has definitely changed from what it used to be called. It used to be called Unfattening, which was a great name, but for all the wrong reasons. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, so now it is just my name. And I am very different to what I used to be, which is always interesting when people go back through my profile and they then message me and they're going, hang on a second, what? Well, but you posted this. And I'm like, yeah, well, read the other ones as well. And then you'll see the, the change over time. Is that a decision that you've made to not delete the past? I keep thinking about it. Um, but actually, I quite like every so often I kind of go back and find a post and then rewrite it now mm. and post it again in a way that is because I never, th- I don't think I was ever kind of on the very, very bad side of the spectrum. I think it would have been a lot harder for, for people that don't really know who I am. I used to talk about how weight loss was amazing and everyone should do it. And now I talk about the more nuanced around weight science and also talking about weight stigma and how weight loss isn't your primary goal, should never be your pro and all this kind of stuff. So there's a juxtaposition between what I used to do and what I talk about now. Um, but I wasn't, I don't think, ever on quite the aggressive, abusive end of the weight loss spectrum. Even at the very beginning, I was always, I believe, quite compassionate about the way I was looking at it and seeing it. So it was slightly easier for me to change, to keep that compassion and understand what I didn't know already. Um, so the stuff that I wrote before, when I read it back, I know why I was writing it but I was just explaining it in such the wrong way. Mm. So it's quite, actually, sometimes I find it quite easy to change what I'd written before because it's like, okay, I knew what I meant to say here, but now I have a much better way of expressing what I meant to say in a way that's not stigmatizing, in a way that's actually helpful, not harmful, and all of the above, hopefully. So, yeah, I haven't deleted them yet. I think, I think I'll leave them as long as I can. It's good, isn't it? Like, just kind of show people that you don't start off as... You know, like it's yeah, there is progress. a bit of a fear though. As yeah, you, well, of being cancelled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not so much. An in, I think if I was on Twitter and I'd been on Twitter for that long, I think I probably would be slightly more concerned and maybe delete everything. Um, but yeah, people like to go back and refuse to believe that people can change, don't they? 
So they like to go back and find something that someone has said. And if it's like blatantly racist, then fine, you should probably own up to it and maybe you shouldn't have said that. But there's some stuff that I find sometimes kind of borderline and people are like, yeah, I just don't believe that anymore. And I was young and I was naive and I didn't believe in people like, I don't care, you're the worst person in the world. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's really important that we talk about how we were super, super pro. I mean, and I'm not just saying that because a lot of the things, like my first TV performance was incredibly problematic so really? I really cannot <laughs> run away from it like there's no way my whole punchline was like women don't uh, get humor was my main punchline right like it's really bad it's fine because you're a woman so you could say that was that right <laughs> was that the argument at the it time would have been, it would have been no my argument was it's true and I'm the only woman who's funny in the world like that was my argument I'm not even going to pretend it was like I've had really nice Danish it was in Danish television I've had really nice Danish feminists be like no but it was funny because it was like a parody of it's a satire mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. No, I fully believed it. Fully believed it. Wow. <laughs> that was so important that we can talk about how yeah. we. Can we get to... that translated with English subtitles, please? <laughs> oh, I, I think, think nobody... when I first moved over, when I first moved over, I was like trying to do the bit in the club, so I didn't understand yeah. why it wasn't working. Um, so, what? How old were you? What? Um, what led to the change? Was it gradual? Was it? Was the, the change ball? on Instagram? Yeah, the change of your perspective on, I guess, weight loss. So, well, I'm 29 now. I'm a young, young person, depending on who's listening to this. Um, at the time of starting Instagram, I think I was 25, 25, 26. Um, and I was in I was my second year after graduating as a doctor. Um, and I had all sorts of reasons as to why I wanted to lose weight that were different to the previous. It depends whether you want to go into those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I had always wanted to lose weight because I thought I was ugly or I thought... I wasn't good enough or I thought I would never get a girlfriend even though I was always in a relationship. So it made no sense. It wasn't logical. Um, and because I'd been bullied for it. So there were there were lots of reasons why. But none of them were... I mean, in, looking back, none of them seemed like particularly good reasons. None of them were logical or valid. Um, it was never about health to me, ironically, which you would assume as a doctor that would be why. Um, and... Even when I then decided I would lose weight again, it wasn't about health either. It was actually because I started feeling hypocritical working as a doctor um, because I felt like my advice wasn't valid if I was overweight, which is, we can try and unpack that if you want, because that's a whole minefield of, of nonsense. It is. Um, but I, yeah, I started working and I started, I was working in A&E and I started seeing a big variety and uh, mix of people, uh, patients that were coming in Uh, that I needed to be treating and I felt like it was my responsibility to to be holistic with their healthcare so talk about lots of different things and not just the one thing that they came in to talk about Um, and one of those things is weight and so I I think I remember I think I remember saying something one time and the patient looking at me and the look that they gave me was like well how could you be saying that if you don't even follow your own advice kind of look? I don't know whether that's even what they were actually meaning, but that was how I took it. Mm. Um, And so I was like, ah, yeah, maybe this is like, maybe I should lose weight because otherwise I can't be a good enough doctor or the doctor that I want to be. I can't improve my skills if I can't talk about a certain thing that I need the ability to be able to talk about. And I don't know how I feel about that now. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that as a motive because it's it's weird. It's like this strange double-edged thing where that... That shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be true, point blank. Um, somebody's ability to follow their own advice shouldn't negate the validity of that advice that they're giving. However, 
we also have to be realistic. And if somebody is giving advice, for example, giving stop smoking advice and they're a smoker, we've got to be realistic about how, how well is that stop smoking advice going to be taken to the normal person. You can't just be like, well, you shouldn't judge me because I smoke. It's like, well, yeah, but you do. And you're giving advice to other people not to smoke. So it's, it's this weird double-edged kind of, it made sense at the time, but looking back on it, I'm not sure how I feel about it as a motive. But ironically, it's the one thing that in my life that has actually led to me losing weight and keeping off, ironically. Um, but I'm very clear on the fact that just because I did that, it doesn't mean everybody else should or can or has to, or it's just about finding the right motive, which is what I originally thought when I started. I was like, oh, I've found that maybe if I can help other people find the right motive, that'll be fine. Just wanted to help. How? Oh. Um, so, yeah, just to be clear about that, I still, all the stuff I say now is still valid, even though I, but that's why I don't talk about that stuff so much because it's complicated. It is complicated, yeah. And it's hard to talk about on Instagram. It's easier to talk about in this kind of setting where yeah, you just let me ramble. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But also it's I very much, I'd like to think that the people listening are used to uh, having complexes and nuances invited into the, you know, because we can't, it's not mm. black and white, it's super complex. Yeah. And also there's that. Can't pretend it didn't happen. I've just got to work yeah. out why and what that means. Why and how, and also that there's this like kind of painful truth, which is, um, it is probably true you're being taken more seriously now, you know? Like, yeah, as a doctor, yeah. they're probably listening to you more now. Yeah, in, in, in the advice that I'm giving that isn't about weight loss, which is probably the, the hardest thing. That was never the reason at the time. It wasn't, I didn't think that all of my advice was being thought of as less because I was overweight, but ironically, maybe, maybe, maybe more of it was than I thought. Um, can you tell? Like, can you tell the difference between how you're treated, just in general, not just as a doctor? But well, I don't know because also I'm I'm more confident as a doctor now, not necessarily mm. because of the weight loss, but I guess some of it perhaps because that was a part of why I wasn't so confident at the beginning. Um, but also just because I know more now as well, five years on rather than two years out of uni. Um, so I don't know. I'm not sure I can separate that and know exactly where I think. I mean, also, you've got to, I say you've got to remember, it's quite obvious. I'm also <laughs> white and male. So I'm also taken more seriously in general as a doctor, as just a person giving advice. It doesn't matter what profession I'm being, t I'm taken more seriously as a starting level. So I guess there's probably less difference to go up from, perhaps. Yeah, if you know you what mean. I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe, probably. <laughs> I know, for, but the problem is, I don't even know um, whether it made any difference because the whole reason I, the whole rationale at the time was when I was going to give weight loss advice, I would be taken more seriously. And now I don't really give weight loss advice, so I have no idea. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> How did is that? Because you you do work in this, it's even called an industry. You in what's it called sector profession? Your, profession that's yeah. the, that's the word, which is inherently got a lot of, has a lot of fat phobia in it and a lot of. You know, like a, not you know being uh, having a fear of the doctor being fat phobic is one of the main reasons why fat people don't go to the doctor in the first place, and you're sort of in that, and you must be. I have a friend who's a fat activist and a nurse, hmm. and she's like she every single day she's having to hear these very horrific things uh, from these people, and that's not to say like all doctors are like this or all medicine is like this, but of course, because health is so connected to fat and uh, hmm. lack of health and so on. How? Oh no! Is I think that... it's fair to say healthcare in general stigmatizes weight. Yeah, uh, I think, and you can make that as a blanket statement. I'd feel. Yeah, good. Um, from the inside too, I'd, I'd agree. And how's that? <laughs> Knowing what you know, 
also uh, also as yeah. a as a former uh, as a former fat person as, yeah as a former person who was stigmatized for my size yeah do anymore, you, which is another do reason you ever why feel like so a spy where you're like wait a minute <laughs> you're just saying this to me because you don't know that i used to or do you know what i mean well the thing is is that pretty much everybody in the department that i work in knows about my instagram so it means that people say things now and then they're like oh wait we can't say that because josh is here and I'm like, no, that's not the point. Like, yeah. I'm not, you're not, not allowed to say it because I'm here. I'm not going to dob on you. Like maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe I should start doing that. <laughs> but um, it's not, yeah, it's not about, it's not about that. But it's like, well, if that stops you from doing it, it makes you actually think about the fact that what you're saying, I wouldn't approve of whether or not you agree with me or not, then fine. That's a start. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's hard. I notice more things now, even just simple things like, um, the difficulty we have in this country is that because the NHS is public sector, a lot of the treatment and a lot of the decisions that get made are based around money and based around cost efficiency. Um, but even so, I think it's quite easy to see that we have a large, a much larger population than we used to. So you could argue that the cost efficiency should be more weighted towards that end anyway. Um, but yeah, there's one thing specifically that I keep coming across that annoys me every time. Um, and so working in orthopedics, we see a lot of people, a lot of uh, mainly elderly people who've broken and uh, who've fallen and broken their hips. It's a, it's a rising problem and it's a big problem. It's what we spend the majority of our time doing is fixing people's hips. Um, and they come in various shapes and sizes, unsurprisingly. Uh, and the elderly patients who are larger, they, they're harder to operate on. Now, it's not their fault. It's just, it's just a fact. It's just mechanics that you have, more, you have more depth to go through before you get to the hip. And so you have to retract more and all sorts of things. Now, we don't have the right size retractors to, do, to make that job as easy as it should be for us. And that's one of the reasons why it's harder. If you've got a kid, you have small size retractors. You have an adult, you have adult size retractors. You have a larger adult, you just have the normal adult size retractors. And so there's all this complaint and all this kind of like, you know, oh, it's going to be a more difficult operation and stuff. And I'm just like, well, why don't we get flipping bigger instruments? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like, if it was an inherent thing that somehow the fat cells next to the bone meant the bone didn't heal, then fine. But it's not that. It's just that it's harder to get to. It requires more strength and you're looking down a deeper hole. But just so get the equipment that works. But it doesn't exist. Or maybe it does, but it only exists in bariatric units in the US, but it doesn't exist in the UK and we don't have it it's just not what we so it's it then makes me think all of this stuff about is there a bigger infection rate post-op with people who are larger is that because we're not we don't have the right equipment to be using during the operation it's all of these questions that nobody has the answers to because i mean we should have been asked them a long time ago but we're so in deep now that there's no it, there's no easy way of finding out what is what is right so yeah it frustrates me um, yeah, I could give you more examples if you want more examples. But. I think what's what I find really interesting about hearing things like that is this: as soon as like that as a fact, as a very mm. neutral fact about something is, will so quickly be spun into well, then the person should lose weight because they're making yeah. it, and it's a more it's a strain on the NHS, which is why people complain, but which is why surgeons complain. They're like, oh, it's oh, this is going to be more difficult. I'm like, yeah, it is. Not their fault though. 
But at the same time, the the amount of blame on the patient, mm. I have not heard the same when it's stories about people coming in with things shoved up their asses. That's <laughs> the stories I've heard from doctors who are like, oh, God, this is another. But I very rarely hear anyone publicly shame people for putting things inside of them in the same way as fat people are being stigmatized for just like being alive. I mean, the jokes do get made. <laughs> Oh, but listen, I work happens. on the jokes. Especially <laughs> when you can still jokes. see the motor going on the x-ray. That's quite impressive. And, oh, you have to send me the motor. Oh, <laughs> just like, is that a sex toy thing? Or is that someone who's put in like a yeah. lawnmower or something? No, 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 it's a sex toy thing. It's where they put it in too far and they can't get it out. And oh, then, Jesus. But oh, it's not shit. turned off yet. So you can hear it from the end of the bed. And also when you do an x-ray to look at it, you can see this blurred bit of the metal. And you're like, well, that's the motor that's still spinning, clearly. <laughs> it's not breaking any confidentiality because no. there are thousands of people that come into any wow. every year with with moving sex toys but no one's ever holes. calling them a strain on the nhs you know what i mean right? yeah. <laughs> like a fat person can literally just be living their lives and then like after 40 years of being in fine health and one day something happens and they're like oh well and the, the, iron, the irony with that the irony with with the elderly people breaking hips is that the the overweight well again whatever that means but you know, it's really hard to find the right word the larger elderly people who come in and break their hips are more likely to survive. So we're complaining, I say the royal we, but actually they're living more than the thinner that are easier to operate on pay elderly patients that come in because having more fat when you get really old helps as, a, as, a, as an energy reserve. So when you're in a hospital and you're in a hospital for two weeks and you fall and you've broken your hip and you, you're not eating very much and all this kind of stuff, having that energy as a store is more healthy for you so the irony is is two twofold as well it's just like oh, so you would rather them thinner easier to operate on but more likely to die than larger harder to operate on but more likely to live because it's less effort the operation goes quicker like, oh. it's, yeah, it's annoying. are you i mean you you're aware you're as aware as i am i guess of how and it shouldn't be, but how controversial that is to even say. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so... People believe that Well, I don't know the elderly equals, having... Well, yeah, I guess... Yeah, like, the I whole thing, fat equals unhealthy, yeah. is so believed. Like, so believed. I imagine you'll get told that by people who are not even, like, in any way medical professionals all the time. Yeah. And yet you have this gravitas of being a, a white, a thin, straight male, also in... Are you assuming my sexual preference? Yeah. Oh, no, I am. Am I right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a safe bet. <laughs> um, and yet it's, it feels like such a hard wall to break down. The assumption, like everyone is so convinced that it's 100% true that fat always equals unhealthy. People love the extremes. It's, I mean... Why is Donald Trump president? Sorry to bring that in so quickly, but people <laughs> people love the extremes, don't they? Like people love people with extreme views because it validates the views that they have that they don't want to tell anyone about. And or I think that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. anyway. And so it's really easy to therefore use the extremes to justify just having one opinion about everything. It's it requires more effort and more thought to have a nuanced approach to anything in life. So you can take an extreme of size in any direction. You can take an extremely very, very, very thin person and be very clear about the impact that it's having on their health. No one's going to argue about that. You take a really, really, really large person who's unable to even walk, because that does happen, 
um, yeah, if they can't exercise at all, that's going to be a big impact on their health. They're not, they're going to, you know, they're not going to live particularly long doing that. But that doesn't justify all the rest in between. And it seems to be all or nothing. And I don't, and it's, it's there, it's then when, when I talk about this kind of stuff, and I talked about this on a, uh, on a, like a debate in quotes, it wasn't really a debate, but it was like a conversation around um, weight stigma and health and, and fat phobia and things like that. Um, and I talked about the extremes and they were, it was like, yeah, but so he said, so if I give you a 300 pound woman and therefore, yeah, but they're unhealthy. I'm like, well, but like, what, this is still complicated. This isn't like, my problem is I don't know where the line is. And if I don't know where the line is, if I just guess a line, I'm causing more harm than good. So I need to be treating every single individual as an individual and get away from the blanket statements that, that, well, that's how I feel anyway. Get away from these blanket statements that get given out. And that blanket statement is fat is unhealthy, right? That's the blanket statement. Mm. It's not an individual thing. It's not a fat could be unhealthy if you don't do this, 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 and this, and it's having this impact on you and this and this. So, okay. But it's not that. It's just fat is unhealthy. Mm. And then we're not, no one's willing to talk about the rest of it that might actually mean that that's not true. Mm. Because if that's not true, it means that their worldview is not true and it's a really hard worldview to break like believe me I, it was hard for me as well like mm. I was kind of slightly worried that I was going down a rabbit hole and I wasn't sure where it was going to end up when I started looking at some of this stuff so yeah yeah I don't know if that answers your question yeah yeah, yeah totally um and then in terms of like the because then there's the, the extra question that even if it was if it if they were right and I always feel a bit weird saying that because I'm so afraid someone's going to go yeah you admitted it but even if it was true, there's still the thing about we should still treat people with respect. Even if yeah. someone is unhealthy, that doesn't yeah. mean that they should just like just kill them all right now. No. That's and let's and let's it. and again, this is often another conversation. Let's say that specifically the amount of fat on their frame is making them unhealthy. How do you know that them attempting to lose weight is going to make them healthier? Like that seems like a really hard thing to say, but being old makes you unhealthy. I can't tell people to de-age. And I know it's not exactly the same because I'm, you know, people are like, yeah, but you lost weight. See, it is possible. This is why I don't talk about it. It's complicated. But if, if I give blanket advice to people that they just have to lose weight and actually by attempting to do so, not only do they put the weight back on, they put more back on and they increase their stress and they reduce their social interactivity because they've refused to go out with friends because they're on their diet at home by themselves every lunchtime. That's not improving their health. But I've done the right thing in quotes by saying, you need to lose weight. So I can still hold both opinions. This is the other issue people don't quite like. It's like, well, okay, so I take an individual and their fat might be affecting their health. Okay, so let's talk about it in general, in, a, in an informed way where you as a patient can make, can still have autonomy and understand the risks and the benefits to anything. As, as a surgeon, if I'm going to operate on someone, I have to consent them for an operation. If I don't tell them the risks, I'm not doing my job properly. That's just then my opinion that I'm enforcing on them. We don't live in that kind of doctor-patient relationship anymore. We used to, but we don't anymore, and for good reason. So if I just say, you need this operation because it's the best thing for you, that's not like... They either have to say, oh, yes, doctor, yes, you know exactly what you're doing. Like, it just, that's not right. So I have to say, these are the benefits, but these, you need to know these are the risks. I personally think the benefits outweigh those risks, but it's not my operation to have, it's yours. 
and I respect your decision, whichever one you choose, obviously I'm going to have a slight bias in the way I present the information, but that's going to be based on the facts that I know and the information I know and my training and my skills, etc. And my job is to try and be as unbiased as possible. That should still be the case with, with weight loss. My job should still be to be as unbiased as possible. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I know the risks and the benefits. So I'm not, people keep, people keep asking me on Instagram, why do you, why are you so, how can you be against weight loss if you lost weight yourself? I'm like, I'm not against weight loss. I'm against people not knowing what it actually is and isn't. Like, it's just a thing. Like, it has with it so many other complexities and stigma and, and discrimination and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes. But in the end, if we just boil it down, it's just, it's just a thing. But that thing comes with it risks. And nobody knows the risks. No one's willing to admit that there are risks. Nobody's willing to admit that it might not work the majority of the time. No one's willing to think, why might it not work the majority of the time? Everyone's just like, no, it's easy because I did it, so you should be able to as well. So, yeah. How connected... I mean, no, that sounds like I don't... Okay, how do I phrase this? So, obviously, the, your psychology and the way your mind works is very connected to the body, right? Like, it mm. affects each other in quite a lot of mm. ways, right? As a, how much do you have to? How much can you take that into consideration when you do? This comes from me thinking, what the main, if I was to try losing weight, obviously I've obviously tried like a million times in my life, I would full on spiral into an eating disorder within like looking at one calorie, right? I'd be like, ah, okay, now I'm in full on eating disorder, and I would get psychologically very, very ill. I might end up looking the way people would think healthy looked, but I would become psychologically completely fucked up because mm. I just that would be a whole thing. Do how much into how much into account do you have to take, or do you are you allowed to take, or can you take? Uh, psychology when you deal with something like talking to a person about physiological things does that make sense yeah i i personally do massively because i i i have a, a newfound respect and understanding for the impact that stigma can have specifically when we're talking about weight um so yeah i do hugely i, I often say in in closed contexts like you know podcast contexts which aren't closed but you know what I mean less mm. people see them and listen to them but if stigma didn't exist weight stigma didn't exist then weight loss would probably not be problematic at all like it mm. would probably be really easy um, because I think one of the biggest problems is the stigma because it is the mental health side effects not that stigma is just mental health but it that's how it affects the human body the most um, one of the biggest side effects is on the psychological aspects and on mental health and so if all of that was removed it would be much easier much easier i don't know if it'd be fixed but it'd be much easier to work out the physiology around it without all of that being in the way we can't just get rid of it overnight so that's not a solution but we need to be fighting against it for not not for the reason that then we can put everyone on a diet but <laughs> just because it makes it makes health much easier to actually work out um so yeah it, it plays a huge difference but you I, also, can, I also wonder if if if, if um and, and the, you know, people look the way they do, and there can be a million reasons for why they they mm. are the size they are. But I, I imagine that, and again, this could sound problematic, but I hope it's not. I imagine it. A lot of people are fat because we were told that our bodies were wrong at such a young age. Well, that we've got good became, evidence that stigma causes weight gain. Yeah. So that's not. Yeah. <coughs> I don't think it's unreasonable to think that it's that it has an impact. I don't know if it... I, I can't see it as the sole reason why people are no. the size that they are by any means. Um, because so much of that is related to socioeconomics and where people grew up and the food environment they were brought up in and, 
and uh, events that happen in their life and all sorts of things that you can't just boil down to weight stigma and that's it it's mm. fine if we remove stigma everyone would be thin it's just not true <laughs> um but i think we'd have a lot less we'd have a lot less problematic uh, we'd have a lot less problems when we were talking about it i think uh, i think we've almost lost the right to talk about some of it because of the amount of stigma that as doctors we've been propagating and as a society we're still encouraging and it's a weird thing to say it's like a, it, we shouldn't we should, as doctors, be able to talk about all aspects of health, but I feel like we've kind of lost the right to talk about it in a bit. And I kind of feel we need to move, kind of come back to it later once we go the other way for a bit to remove some of the stigma and then we can come back to it from a place of understanding and compassion rather than from a place of trying to fix people. Uh, yeah, it's, it was really, it's, it's sort of from like a fat activist point of view, it's... It's tricky because we we try to spend well a lot of us or some of us try to spend a lot of it we spend a lot of energy saying fat is not necessarily unhealthy fat is not necessarily because that is a myth that's mm. very important that we need to bust but at the same time it feels like there's an implication that if we were that would then be okay to treat us this way or for you know so you kind of have to go fat is not necessarily unhealthy but even if it was that was also okay because people are allowed to be unhealthy that's not always to do with you know there's so many caveats yeah. and so many aspects of and also what even is health you know that's a whole other thing isn't New, it nuance doesn't make for a good um for a good chant in for the a good hashtag during an, acti- yeah. t- during an activist rally this is the problem right so like anything that is activism which which wait you know fat acceptance and it is activism and it should be mm. um because it's closely related to, to, to discrimination um and abuse so but you you can't put nuance on a placard like it's just not going to be the case it's kind of like you know it's just it's like black lives matter you don't write black lives matter and white lives matter too because it's irrelevant it's pointless mm. it doesn't that's not the point so you're not going to write like you know fat doesn't equal you know being fat doesn't mean i'm unhealthy and you're going to write in little letters sometimes it might do but actually what even is health what you know, and, and, you know <laughs> you're not going to write like it's just it doesn't make for a good enough slogan so it's it is hard it is hard and 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 it's uh, I, I think if we ever found the way to mix activism with science in a really really nice meld then it would be great but it's really hard to bring the two together can and don't necessarily need to we just need to understand why what the purpose of activism is and i do think sometimes you do need to be you sometimes you have to say extreme things to you know i I feel like within activism of course we've there's a lot of things being that has been said for a long time that's not really had an impact because it's very easy to to kind of move someone out of the way if you're if you're going oh hey excuse me i was just wondering i think that perhaps maybe this kind of masculinity that a lot of men have been taught throughout their lives can affect them and so that sometimes that that has no impact people go shut up but if you go all men are trash they're like what and then maybe we can like okay let's move back from that then and then we can start you know i think sometimes you have to be i wish there was a better way Because yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, like, like extremism and... isn't justified by extremism the other way either. But the problem is, it's, I kind of, if, yeah, I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? It is it's, really hard. It's, it's really that, complex. It's that what the greater good? Like, is it is it worth being extreme in a way that you know isn't quite true? Because actually, it will lead to something good in the end. Like, I don't know. But then another. Then there's a whole other <laughs> side, which is, well, maybe it's really good that we have some people who are going all men are trash kill all men and then there's other people who are also effective who are going wait 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 of course this is what we mean so it's almost like good cop bad cop but 
because you have both, you have an. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's so yeah. complex, even on that aspect yeah. of. If maybe we do need some people who are doing that and other people who are doing that, and it's so all. Here's, so here's a question for you then. Yeah. So how do we stop the people that disagree? from only focusing on the loudest voices who are the most extreme, who aren't necessarily the most truthful. Sometimes they are, but do you know what I mean? It's quite easy to pick apart some of the, some of the phrases that you use sometimes. Yeah. How, and that's a very, very easy target for people to rally the opposite cause. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's, it's, you can, so for example, the phrase, you can be healthy at any size. Yeah. I know why it's being said. I know yeah. the purpose of it, but it's easy to pick apart. And yeah. it's easy to use as a justification to see they know nothing. They don't know science. They don't yeah. know what they're talking about. They're just, they, they don't want to hear facts. Facts don't care about your opinions. Like it's a common thing, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do you justify the activism in that, in that extreme? Because it's really, cause this is why I like to sit in the middle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but how, like, I don't know how to talk about that because the activism then almost seems to cause more problems for like, I don't know. It's hard. I know what you mean. I, th- I don't know if I know the answer. I feel... The answer I feel is... I feel like there are deeper reasons why... I think the people who take the extreme opinions and make that the reason why they're disagreeing, I think we're already always going to disagree because there's a deeper, much more complex reason for that. Yeah, of course. I know. So I think... But there are people who are quite good at... who are relatively nuanced who still use that extreme. So, yeah, I didn't hear the extreme and go, oh, this is a weird movement. I'm going to stay away from that. Like, I heard the extreme and I was like, I'm not sure I agree with that, but there's interesting stuff there. And But so I kind of... In, you know, I was intrigued, but there are people that I talk come across who I'm like, you're not, you're not bad people. Like you honestly want to help your, your rationale behind all of this weight loss stuff is because you really want to help people. And yeah. the, and the extremism is fueling your stubbornness because I see that a lot. But and I, don't I don't think it's the extremism. To... <laughs> I think it's the, um, well, when it's fat stuff, I think the it's, lack it's of nuance fat. No, is... I think, I think it's the lack of people being able, it's people's inability <coughs> to disconnect their own Im- very deep emotional, whatever it is, if it's trauma or if it's uh, PTSD or if it's like uh, any kind of really deep feelings they have, which essentially is about themselves and their own bodies and their experience of bodies and everything they've been told, and then what they perceive to be political and facts and logic. Mm. I think that c- se- because fat in particular is something that affects everyone, mm. you know, absolutely everyone so when whenever you say anything about fat it's going to affect people very personally because even thin people who don't have the lived experience of being fat still have the lived experience of there's the fear of they might become fat or maybe they've been attracted to a fat person or they might still know that there are good and bad foods and there's things you know there's guilty pleasures and there's blah 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 blah. it's only good and bad because it will either make you fat or it won't exactly yeah yeah. yeah, exactly so everyone everyone has an issue with fat in some way and the people who love fat or have had to go through a journey to end up loving fat. So when you suggest you can be healthy at every size, when you suggest that actually everything you've been told about you, your body, the people you love, the people who are around you, 
is not true. I think it affects people on such a deeply, deeply personal level that you could never really account for. Even if, if it had been set with the most nuance, mm. those people would still become... It's oh, yeah, like I still religion. upset people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I think I upset people? people less. I don't know. I think, yeah. I, I, think know, I do know what you mean. People I, like people in the, who are a bit more, hey, part of what you're saying might be right, but I think people do like that more. But I think... I don't think there's a way of doing... I think we've we've tried being very kind and gentle for a very long time, yeah. and it's not really. If anything, you could argue the only reason we're talking about it now is because of of the, extre- the loud people voices, have been yeah. extreme. Yeah, yeah. And I just think it is such a tricky topic because people get so emotional about it. People get so, and I I've seen people try and battle with facts and science, and people just do not listen. People just go, yeah. no, it's unhealthy, and you're like, wow, you have something happening inside of you to do with this that has nothing really to do with science or anything it's just you have an issue <laughs> right yes no i do i do it's so this is this is the problem it's so complicated it's so complicated but that, that shouldn't be a problem should it no in it theory shouldn't. it shouldn't be a problem it should just be but it's the problem with answering questions yes yeah. there is no it's so hard to find the right answer to the question but I'm very much of the, and it's just, I think it's very much of the moment as well in my brain. I'm very much like, maybe the answer should be that we need to realize that, that every, of course, everyone's entitled to their opinion and people are, t- freedom of speech, all of mm. that. But it would be really good if we had a consensus that this is super, super, super complicated and complex and nuanced. And a lot of the people who are talking about this are people with knowledge who read about this research and studied it that not everyone's opinions are necessarily truthful. Do you know what I mean? It's people going, oh, I agree to disagree. No, I think yeah. you just haven't understood it yet. Yeah, you can have an opinion that's wrong. Like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, it's not your opinion is invalid, but your opinion is incorrect. There are two different things. Yeah. You can still, you know, your incorrect opinion can still be valid because it's an opinion, but it doesn't change the fact that it's not true. This is... <laughs> I said in an interview recently, I said, you can't disagree with me, you can only be wrong. And I'm, I fear for that interview coming out. Because I, I'm like, oh shit, people are going to be really angry. <laughs> I mean, I am right. Um, uh, did you always want to be a doctor? Uh, no. No, I wanted to be chess champion at one point. A chess champion? Yeah, a chess champion of the world, obviously. How far uh, did you get in that? I played for county, so I'm, oh, I'm, wow. I'm all right with that. Um, <laughs> and then I realised... It wasn't really going to be as, as fun as I thought it was going to be because it took takes hours and hours of just sitting down and playing chess, which I liked, but not for that long. I remember going to a, this is for the chess geeks out here, a long play tournament, which basically means that it's like three hours long for one game. And I definitely finished in half an hour and everyone else was still playing. I was like, wow, I mean, I won the game, but I was just not, I wasn't willing. I wasn't willing to well, spend that you, long. I don't understand that. How... Or you spend like how a full it, 10 minutes over every move thinking about it. But what if you already, if you just know which one's the right one? Do well, you just wait? Well, that's why it took me half an hour. <laughs> well, it depends. Like if you're, if you, if you kind of look at the like proper chess champions, like grandmaster champions of the world, they spend hours over games because they will, they'll, one move will be made and then they will work out and think through every single possible I'm move that they could do that they think is valid and then every possible move their opponent could do for every move that they do to work out which one is the best one. It's okay. complicated. Okay, so the shorter time you spend on it, the more, the more likely based on luck it'll be. Uh, well, it depends. If you spend a short time, then, so then your opponent spends a long time, then you're probably at a disadvantage. 
So it's not necessarily uh, luck, but you're just not quite. You've not thought. You're not through. quite double guessing or triple guessing, or you know, it's not quite as. Wow, yeah. I can see the I can see the appeal. <laughs> so I wanted to I wanted to do that for a while, um, and then what else did I want to do? I think I then wanted to be a chef at one point. Um, what else? Yeah, and then I got to I got to the age of sixteen, and was picking my A levels, which are the for people that aren't in the UK are like the three or four subjects you do at the end of school before you go to university that determine what university degrees you can pick because is that what they do well you have to if you want to study something at university they'll require you to have studied a certain a level to go so for example if you want to study medicine you have to have done chemistry yes okay that's not as two other sciences or something so it's It's the same in denmark i get it yeah so so those are the a levels (laughs) so i so i chose my a levels based on what i liked and was interested in um which happened to be chemistry maths further maths biology music tech uh, I liked recording music. Um, that was the other thing I wanted to be in a band as well, but that was never going to be as reliable. Chess is more reliable than that. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I chose all those topics, and then I was looking through the career book. It was literally as ridiculous as that. I was like, hmm, what careers can I do with these A-levels? Like, don't want to be a scientist. Uh, that seems boring. Don't want to be a teacher, because, like, kids are pain in the ass. And I was a kid, so I knew. Mm. Um, I was like, doctor? Yeah, let's do that one. That one looks fun. I came home to my mum. She was like, we'll see. <laughs> you've never mentioned this ever so okay but I, I yeah I stuck with it so uh, it just happened to be I kind of got my mindset on it I was like yeah that looks really fun I'd never thought about it before um, but yeah I carried on with it I think actually it was a nice way around because instead of having these preconceived ideas as to what being a doctor was going to be like and then being let down which mm. a lot of people are because being a doctor is sometimes seen as this like you're so well respected it's like an amazing mm. career and then you start working in the NHS and no one cares about you and patients hate you and you know and so and you don't get paid what you think you should be paid and all this kind of stuff and those people leave whereas I was like well I don't I have no perceptions about this it's still a privilege to work and be a part of someone's life in a moment when they're not like they're in pain or they're struggling or at their lowest or you know it's like this is it's a privilege to do this so I quite I like doing this. Yeah, I would like to get paid more, but doesn't everyone like you know? <laughs> so so yeah, that was my my journey into it's being a, a doctor. It's a weird. I've got the same with stand up. I my friends who wanted to be stand up comedians since they were born, hmm. they would like watch Live at the Apollo and be like, "That is what I want to do." So it's almost like they're sort of halfly disappointed the whole way up. They're like, "Oh, when am I going to do the Apollo?" Where I saw an open mic, and that was when I like the first time I even knew that one could do comedy so then from then on it was just like oh this is fun oh this oh this is next bit oh you know so i don't reach that point of well that reminds me of my most embarrassing experience which i'm not going to share yet because you have to you have to subscribe to your patreon to know that but i will talk about that later there you go plug uh what is it like what do you wish people knew about um you know for people who've only watched Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and Scrubs. And Scrubs, yeah. Scrubs is the most realistic, to be fair. Oh, really? Yeah, ironically. <laughs> ironically, Scrubs is probably the closest. <laughs> what, what would I wish people knew about yeah, what, what do you, being what a do, what's the, what, what are the misconceptions? Uh, Maybe particularly about, you know, what people have assumption about the NHS and, like, in the UK. <sighs> oh, I think it's, it's... I think it's going to be along the lines of what I often say when people ask me how they approach their doctor when they feel their doctor's being stigmatizing to them. Mm-hmm. And my main, one of my main responses or what I always start with is that is the whole thing of, well, just, just try, and I know it's hard and it's not fair because you're the one being discriminated against, but 
try and remember that they're people too mm. and it's hard and it's a hard job and it sucks and there are days when I go home and it's like someone's died and I like and it's just it's horrific and so you're trying nobody goes into especially not in the NHS um, nobody really goes into medicine without some wish to help people in some capacity other some more than others but I would say ev- everyone has at least a bit of it and so like when they're when they're talking uh, this is going to the weight stigma stuff when they're talking to you about weight they're not doing it because they they're trying to be stigmatizing they're not doing it because they're trying to hurt you I know it again again I know it's mm. not fair because they are mm. but and I know it doesn't always matter to you but they they're not they're trying to do what they think is the right thing to be a doctor and to improve your health so they're trying to help you they can't see it sometimes and we don't we don't get it right so that's the other thing so we're human and we don't get it right all the time those are the two things that that are really hard um but we really do care which is why all the vaccine stuff is so flipping upsetting because it's literally killing people and it it feels like there's nothing we can do about it um so yeah <laughs> how how does it affect you or does it affect you to have a job, to be in a position where you know that people don't see you as a person who can be flawed. Do you know what I mean? Like the fact that you have to say, no, yeah. no, we're also just people. Well, it's that thing of when we make mistakes, we get sued, right? Yeah. So it's it's that whole thing of you, it, you know, you have to pay for the mistake you made. So it is this general thing of like, we're coming to you and you have to get it right. So it's, it could be stressful, but again part of that is still a privilege as well right mm. that, that there's that there's that amount of trust of we want you to make the right decision um so yeah i don't know i'm it's you just kind of got to accept it like i don't know i've got quite a nice i feel like i've got quite a nice perspective on it but it's still it's still hard um yeah do you have patients who recognize you from the instagram it hasn't happened yet oh really which is really nice um because Or if it has, they haven't said. Because they get recognized in the street, but I don't get recognized at work. So it's, yeah, it's quite nice that doesn't happen. I'm <laughs> sure it will at some point, maybe, unless I stop. But, um, yeah, I don't really know. I I don't know whether it then comes under a conflict of interest either. It's very confusing. It shouldn't do. I don't think it does. Just because they know me, it doesn't mean that I know them. If you know what I mean. Yeah. You're not allowed to treat yeah. your family, for example. So oh. you're not you're not meant to treat family or friends. That makes sense, yeah. And so... It's that weird thing about social media where you kind of feel like you're friends with your followers, but yeah. you're not. So it's so they they might feel like they're friends with me because they know a lot about. I'm quite open on my Instagram, yeah. and, and I don't share everything, but I think I'm more open than I possibly need to be. Yeah. Um, so they probably know more about me than than most people, and so they probably that's feel so like they're friends with me. So it's this. They, so they might it might be this slight conflict of interest in terms of they would they might trust what I say more when they necessarily shouldn't or do you know what I mean that whole thing of like giving making them consent for themselves they might not be willing to hear the risk because they're just like well if you're offering it to me I trust you do you see what I mean that's the whole thing of friends and family but how does that work the other way around so is that just that way around (coughs) or is it also is it also because the way you're like if it's a friends uh, friends or family is that also because the way you might be oh yeah but then what about a celebrity that everyone knows well I mean I've treated celebrities I but, can't say who they are, but no, I've treated them in the past. <laughs> but you, but you kind of have to. Like, 
but that's just but you don't think you're a friend with a celebrity though right so how much do you actually know about them well some people seem to think yeah, that they but, do know, you know so you just as a doubter special. you have to know yeah I mean you're not that's you're amazing. not you have to try and you have to be professional to an of extent course, don't you yeah. I mean slash to the highest extent um, but yeah no I, I'm not friends with them like so it's I think if I I think if a, a I think if a social media celebrity came in there might be a but do you know what I mean yeah. that's a bit different social yeah, media is right. a weird world where it's not the same kind of celebrity yeah it's it the kind of celebrity like where you. people feel they know you because they know about you and they know stuff that you've shared with them and people tend to be a bit more open on social media and but they don't show everything so it's like you only you think you know everything but you don't so that might mean you treat them wrongly because you think you don't have to ask a certain thing because you think you already know a certain mm. thing and so yeah it gets complicated I don't know. I don't know yet. No one's recognised me, so <laughs> I'll, I'll come to that when it does. I just, I just think I just have to be more careful in those kind of situations. But you'll see. We'll see. So, a question that I usually ask is, um, what question do you most wish for me to ask you? Oh. Maybe you had thoughts about what you thought we were going to talk about. Maybe you've already. Maybe there's a thing on your mind at the moment that you're just like desperate to talk about, or maybe, maybe you always haven't thought of like, oh, why aren't people asking me this? Or I wish I could talk about that. Or what question would you most want to be asked? That's a hard question because the things that have gone through my mind, I'm not sure whether they're appropriate. (laughs) Uh, Okay, go on then. Maybe it's slightly controversial as well. Mm? Um, I would say, no, see, okay, fine. But I'll have to preface it. Yeah, you could do yeah, Absolutely, absolutely, go ahead. <laughs> or at least explain it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'd say one of the questions that I think people don't necessarily ask, and I think I, I know why and mm-hmm. I understand why, which is why I'm prefacing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm mad that it's not asked. Is actually whether or not as a guy I find it difficult to have that have the privilege of being male and mm-hmm. therefore sometimes being told off about not being like being too male to talk about something it's a weird mm-hmm. it's a weird like and let's see i can get myself in trouble just by saying no no no, no i'm just trying to understand fully what you mean so for example i have i will come across things where because i'm not the demographic for especially with activism i'm not the demographic to be the figurehead or to be the voice of or to represent a group of people that aren't white and male because I'm white and male mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a lot of what I talk about is like 85% of my Instagram following is female like it's not I'm not I don't represent that um, specifically so there are times when I will get yelled at for daring to speak about something that I shouldn't be speaking about because I'm because I should because I'm not I'm not female so it's an interesting one I don't know there you go, that's the answer. No, I, no, I, I, okay. But I do understand, and I do fully understand. Well, I also, I, under, I understand it from, uh, I fully understand it from an extreme radical uh, activist point of view, how in that, if you were just to look at that, there is an aspect of it that is true. No, I know, but, which is, which is but, why I know it's not. No, no, I know no, 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 but, but I think it's important, it's very important, it's very important to talk about because mm. um, that does that help it helps saying that it helps knowing mm. why like it helps understanding why of course uh, and historically men have always been distant more than women blah 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 blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. women's voice have been erased blah 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 all of that is very important but the way i have felt um and i know that a lot of fat people have felt in the past six months a year and well i might 
this has probably been felt by a lot of people before this just because it's happened to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've seen the world. Uh, you, Pixie Turner, Laura Thomas, and other thin uh, white influencers and types thereof, nutritionists and doctors, uh, the way you dealt with um, the cancer research campaign was such a relief and it was such a feeling of being fought for because obviously the people are not going to listen to us and then it's again up to us to you know then we would have to start trying to to you know run the campaigns and stuff and it is so whilst we were watching billboards everywhere you know and that would have been so soul destroying because it was that the last time it happened so that is so helpful to the movement it's helpful politically it's helpful emotionally and personally to just fat people in general who would see those campaign signs and you know our lives got are worse when those signs are up because we're being treated horrifically because people have us um feel like they have a reason now to abuse us in the street and that is just you using your powers for good and it's very important to acknowledge that as well like how helpful that is that is important. That is so important. So, And two things can be true at the same time. Mm. You can mm. both be like, well, of course, this should be run by someone who can speak for uh, uh, fat people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But at the same time, they're not listening to us. So, of yeah. course, of course, that is also your place to do. They're going to listen to you more than they're yeah. going to listen to me. I don't, yeah, I want to use, I don't want to waste the privilege that I have. I can't change mm. the privilege I have. I just don't want to waste it. I guess perhaps a better question, if someone asked me that question again, I think the better way of rephrasing it would probably be that not many people ask me how I, how I try to um, respect the people that have come before me doing the work that is hard without second-guessing everything I do. That's probably a better question. That's a good question, yeah. So that's, that's the struggle I find, is that I understand and I get it and I yeah. want to be uplifting the people that are marginalized who have been doing it before me who haven't been listening to i understand that the glass elevator is a thing where it's very common for people that aren't being listened to to do lots of work and one nicely privileged person comes along and suddenly shoots up to the top like i get it i understand i just don't know like there's at times it's like well i should just stop altogether then because i'm not meant to be doing it. do you know what i mean so yeah, it's, yeah. it's really hard not to second guess everything because it's like, well, I can't share that person's thing because they're also thin. So that would be the wrong person to share. But actually what they're saying is the best way I've heard it being shared. So is it, am I allowed to share it or am I just, con- or am I going to be told off for not uplifting somebody else? It's, it's very hard. Well, how, to do not- you f- how do you feel about the fact that because of your position, you will probably, you, I feel like you have to come to terms with, everything you say is probably wrong in some way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, probably. (laughs) And that's all of everyone who who has some privilege over another group. Everything we do is probably going to be in some aspect, which is also a true and correct aspect, probably going to be the wrong thing to do. But also it can at the same time be the right and the only thing to do. And I think assuming or hoping or trying to do the right thing Mm that's going to lead to people going, ah, I, just, I might as well just stop because there's no way I can do the right thing. And I think that is the answer. You can't do the right thing. You can just do the best thing, mm. which would be what it seems like what you're doing now. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So, but how do you, that is, the question is then, how do you deal with so all much, of that? Yeah. yeah. Central London. <laughs> how it's, do you deal with those, yeah. com- with that complexity? It's, yeah, it's, it's how do you, 
how do you separate the valid criticism from just the criticism? Because if you take all crits, like you can't throw away all criticism because criticism is important, but you can't take all criticism either because mm. otherwise you'll never do anything. So yeah. do you know what I mean? It's but also like, accepting I'm a flawed person. Yeah. I'm going to do. Flaw- I need to do flawed things for the course. I, I need to be problematic with some things. Well, I never started out to be an activist, just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I've fallen into this accidentally. No one asked what I wanted to be part of <laughs> No, I know, I know. I do, I do. I'm just teasing. But it's, it is interesting. Also, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of uh, straight white guys on the, on the podcast. And it's, it, is a, it is definitely a thing. It's a thing. Like, you... We're in a time where it's becoming more and more. Don't get me. I'm not saying I'm discriminated. No, no. Like I, I'm not going to pretend. No, but I, some people I, do no. say that. They're like, oh, it's it's reverse now. It's reverse. Oh, no, race. No, no. Reverse <laughs> racism is not a thing. Shut no, no, up. no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> but I feel like for I feel like almost those people who have that feeling, I think it's almost easier to be them because they can just go, oh no, now ooh. they can just go like, oh no, now I'm the victim. Yeah, but no, being so not. aware yeah. as you are, like. It is a lot, isn't it? It's a lot in your head when you start becoming very conscious of your mm. privilege and your position and you know you have to apologize for it. You know you accidentally do a lot of things that, you know. And yeah, that must take a bit of... Yeah, how, how do you deal with... <laughs> how do you deal with being a white straight man? <laughs> <laughs> very well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Talk us through your struggles. Oh, dear. No, but it's a legit... Yeah, no, like, I know. It, part of it is also trying to remind myself on a daily basis that I can't please everyone. But again, not using that as an excuse no, to, to upset people and be like, well, I don't care they're upset because I can't please everyone. Because again, people's upset is valid. People have reasons for being upset with me. But for example, literally yesterday, someone threatened to report me to my, to my medical governing body because she didn't like what I did in my Instagram stories. I mean, literally, so it gets to the point where mm. I've got to realize like how, you know, kind of just because I, I mentioned, actually quite politely, someone that was sharing some nonsense and said, I'm sure her page is probably quite ni- quite good overall, but what she's sharing now is complete nonsense. Um, maybe just ignore her advice on diet, is what I said. So mm. I she said it quite politely. She met, must, have, must have really liked this person and mm. messaged me and was like, I recommend you take this down now. And I was like, but why? Like literally, I was, I know people are going to be like, you were probably mean back, but I was, I was actually, I have a, I have to be professional because those people will report me to the GMC. So this is a thing. Um, but end of that conversation, I've screenshotted everything. And if you ever talk about, if you share it with my name, I'll report you. I was like, oh, for goodness sake. Like, oh you know, so this is, you know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, can't please everyone. Well, you're, you're fighting against a, sy- a system that is very, 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 very This had nothing to do with weight. Just like, <laughs> this, was, this was about toxins in, in nail varnish causing infertility. I was like, this is nonsense. It's <laughs> wellness, health. It's a whole thing. It's all connected. I become a conspiracy theorist when it comes to that. Um, <laughs> so the last question I was asking the podcast is this. <clears throat> so you're in the delivery room and you have just been born. Okay. Right. And this is not where you work, so you're not in any way medically connected to this particular hospital. And I'm not a doctor anymore. You're not a doctor. Okay. You might be, but you're not in this Not hosp- yet. You're not at work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. I'm on board. But you I'm right in the now, zone. doctor, is ho- you're holding yourself as a oh. tiny baby who's oh, okay. not a doctor yet. It's quite meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You have to really get on this, right? 
So teeny tiny Joshua is crying because he was just in the womb and it was all lovely and warm and safe and it just felt really good. And now there's lights and sounds everywhere and it's all horrific and he is crying and he's looking at you like, what the fuck is this? Is this what life's going to be like? Is this going to be lights and sounds everywhere? Because that is horrific. And you know what the next 29 years of his life is going to be like. You know, there will be periods of lights and sounds, but it won't be lights and sounds. It'll be other things. And you can say something to him. He has no idea what's going to happen. You can't change anything. You can't give him advice because whatever's going to happen is still going to happen. He and he doesn't understand this. English, to be fair. He, no, but he understands oh, he what does you're now. saying. Okay, okay. Not because of the language, because of your connection, because you're the same person. Okay. So you can say something to Tiny Joshua and answer his question, which is basically, is this life? What is life? What would you say to Teeny Tiny Baby You? Gosh. <laughs> uh, I think... I would probably say something on the lines of it's all right to be panicking, but there's quite a lot of people around you that are going to help, so you'll be all right. Do you still need to be told that? Probably. Is this where this gets really deep? <laughs> probably. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it is that. I think it's the, I think often we and me and I don't like to, get caught up in stuff it's like I don't want to panic like I don't want to be overwhelmed but I don't know sometimes it's okay to admit that you're a bit overwhelmed because there's a lot of stuff going on but it's it makes it much easier to be overwhelmed if you've got people around you that you can talk to and be with and yeah great thank you for doing this thank you for having me where can people find your stuff you have a podcast yourself I do yeah if you're interested in hearing some nuance around nutrition and what what healthy eating actually is um then i've got a podcast with a mate of mine called alan who was also white male and privileged so it'll be great fun um called cut through nutrition which we've done a first season of uh season two will be coming but it's going to be some deep dives into some uh heavy stuff so we're taking a bit of time um and otherwise if you type in dr joshua dr joshua on instagram i come up quite quickly don't bother about spelling my last name. It's complicated. Just Dr. Joshua W. And I'll definitely come up. So, uh, yeah, come and find me on Instagram. Send me a message. Leave a comment on a post. Do all those things. Share me with all of your friends. Uh, more followers, the better. All of that, yeah? All of that. Yeah. Buy a T-shirt, you know. Tell us about your T-shirt. Is that the one you're wearing? <laughs> I have a couple. Um, yeah, I have one that, that I'm wearing at the moment, which it says Nutribollocks on it, which is great. Although I have had to have some mother's messaged me saying I can't wear it because my my kids will pick up the word bollocks oh. and I don't want them to say it I'm like oh well all right maybe I'll make one with an asterisk um and I've got another one that I quite enjoy which just says willing to be wrong which mm. I quite like and that gets some that get that starts some really interesting conversations when I wear that out and about yeah that's good mostly from women saying I need to buy that for my husband ah. like, that's not the conversation <laughs> I, I refuse to get involved in that I refuse uh but yeah that was an interesting one we talked about some of that stuff today as well so it's yeah. uh yeah that's really interesting Cool. Well, uh, I'm not going to turn this off. I'm going to turn it back on and I'll ask you the remaining six questions All for right. the Patreon. Pay for her Patreon. Pay for my Patreon. Thank you so much for doing this. If you want to hear me have more of a chat with Dr. Joshua Walrich, um, sign up for the Patreon. Because there, every week, I think every Saturday, you get access to the extra bit, which is um, after we stop chatting. 
I turned off the recorder. Then I turned it back on, and I asked Joshua, as well as I ask every other guest, uh, six extra questions, such as what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? Uh, what do you wish people knew about you? What's a piece of practical advice? Uh, what's the stupidest thing as a teenager? Uh, an unpopular opinion of yours? Um, I don't even think that was when he revealed he was a heckler. I don't even think it was the unpopular opinion. I think it was like something else. It wasn't even the stupidest thing he'd ever done, which would have been that. It could have been both of those things. And yet I think he, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, I urge you all to sign up for my newsletter. Uh, exciting things are going to happen soon. And that is where you will get that information. Now for the people who are patrons, patrons who are friends of the podcast, those are the people who give $5 or more per episode. Uh, I want to give you a shout out because I rambled a lot in the intro. So I think it's just time for me to leave very soon. So um, at the moment I'm recording this, if you give, uh, these are the people who give $5 or more per episode, the people who keep this podcast running. I am so, 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 so grateful. Thank you so much. And these people, these legends are Alan Bland, Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, Andy Walker, Anya Knoblauch, Autumn Blue Sky, Barry Norton, Caitlin, Kat Posse, Kathy Beveridge, Cherry Winter, Claire McHowland, Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifersheed, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Fenella Dunn, Privacyosaurus, Aurora Teratops, Fiona Richardson, Grace Ann, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minnett, Heather Watson, Ida Sergolarsen, Josie, Kathleen Gulmanson, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelson, Katie Travis, Kaylee uh, Renault, Uh, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, Chrissy Nicholson, M. Dash, Maury Fraser, Makesa Dubalova, Megan Roberts, O Patreon, My Patreon, Tigorific, uh, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Feneu, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Ferdy, Rachel Phillips, Ragdoll, Ryan Rivers, Rianne Rivers, Reen Rivers, Robert Knowles, Robin Cabell, Russell Hughes, Sarah Vera Eigerset, Sarah Allett, Sarah Plumer, Super Hairy Fragile Lily XP Stress Pants. <laughs> Susie Tyler, Victoria Gray, Victoria Layson, and Sarah Mirali. You are wonderful people. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You are incredible. I want to also thank uh, Dr. Joshua Walrich for being on this podcast and speaking when he was uh, asked to speak and not when someone else was speaking on stage, for example, in front of him. And I want to thank <laughs> all of you for listening. Thank you to Dave Pickering for producing this episode, to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo. And a massive thank you to Soho Theatre for letting me record some episodes there. I will speak to you all next week. Bye! Oh.